0: Hey, Michael, you just need to find that passion. And I said, what is that passion of mine? Ask Aaron, what is it? And he told me specifically, I don't know if you remember this, Aaron, he said, well, what is it that you really like doing? And I said, well, I really like treating dementia patients, geriatric patients. And he said, well, why don't you focus on that?
1: So the big question is, how can physical therapists create a successful career earning six figures or more And give patients the care they need without relying on insurance companies for reimbursement if you want to learn the answers to those questions and more then you've come to the right place my name is dr aaron labauer physical therapist business coach serial entrepreneur and author of the cash pt blueprint thanks for joining me today hey what's up it's aaron labauer welcome back to the cash pt lunch hour podcast today my special guest is mike chua Mike is a uh, physical therapist and um, amazing dude. I was just on his show a few weeks ago, and Mike and I have known each other for a few years. Mike um, has one of these uh, superhero powers, not only treating patients, but helping uh, physical therapists, occupational therapists, and healthcare providers find alternative uh, careers in healthcare and even side hustles and niches and all that stuff. And So I I wanted to have the opportunity to bring Mike on the show. Help him uh, upload his information to our listeners and um, have a good time. So, Mike, thanks so much for being here today.
0: Well, first of all, thank you very much for being here in the Cash PT Lunch Hour or whatever show you call this. The Aaron <laughs> LeBauer awesome show. Well, first of all, just a disclaimer, ladies and gentlemen. Aaron, he may not know it, but he is my coach, ladies and gentlemen. He actually guided me how to find my alternative career, and without his guidance, without his uh, his uh, mentorship with me several years ago, I won't be here where I'm at. So uh, yep, without his guidance, I wouldn't be here. So
1: that's awesome. Thank you, Aaron. You're welcome. Thank you. So um, Mike, well, let's jump into that. Like, what were you doing before? And why did you decide you needed to change what you were doing?
0: Well, uh, remember, there was a time I called you or we've been calling each other, right? Yeah, like two, three years ago, I can't even remember. But uh, I was just burned out. You know, I just can't I just can't uh, uh, find this. Uh, uh, there's this inner thing, you know. There's there's something inside of us. You know, we're all therapists here. We're all uh, wanting to bring out the best in our in our patients. And hold on, my eyes are burning. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, okay. I guess too I'm much fire to coming out of your desk. <laughs> there, <are> your mic. <laughs> so there's fire, right? But I'm crying tears of joy from Aaron. So during that time, I just didn't know what to do. I just, I don't know. And I know there's something inside me. And then what Aaron did is he just told me, ladies and gentlemen, he just told me, Hey, Michael, you just need to find that passion. And I said, what is that passion of mine? Ask Aaron, what is it? And he told me specifically, I don't know if you remember this, Aaron. He said, well, what is it that you really like doing? And I said, well, I really like treating dementia patients, geriatric patients. he said, well, why don't you focus on that? And from there on, you know, I started treating dementia patients. Now I focus mainly on geriatrics. We run a course called Alzheimer's Disease and Dementia Care Seminar, and it's a CEU class and it's a certification class and stuff like that. There's a free book, you know, there's a book that we sell, and from there we do a mentorship through that uh, uh, dementia course, and then the rest is history. <laughs> and uh, now I'm like following Aaron's footstep, you know, just trying to be a uh, a coach and a mentor for other people who wants to find their alternative career, like being a dementia practitioner. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Mike, why why didn't you feel like that
1: was, that door was open to you initially? Like what was happening in your career or what was going on at that time where you didn't feel like there was like, you
0: know, three different options and you could walk through either one of them? You know what, that, that's a great question, Aaron. You know, uh, one thing I've learned being a, an immigrant mm-hmm. here in the States and learning English. This is a joke, ladies and gentlemen. You got to listen to this. One thing I've learned doing all, all this interview, one thing that I notice, if that's a good question and you don't know the answer, you always want to answer back with, oh, that's a great question. So <laughs> that's really a great <laughs> question. My eyes are burning, Aaron. Give oh. me a second. Okay. Oh, gosh. I don't have any tissue here right now. Okay. So... uh what was the question again?
1: (laughs) What was it that like, what was going on in your life? Like, why didn't you feel like you had, like, why did you feel like you were stuck, like getting burnt out and you didn't have any other opportunities? Like, like, you know, like why wasn't there another option or was there another option? You just didn't see
0: it. You know what? That's great. The opportunities are always out there. I just didn't open up my eyes, ladies and gentlemen. I just didn't have that, uh, that mentorship or guidance. Mm-hmm. And if you are here right now, try listening in this show, Cash PT Launch Hour or, or Aaron Labauer's group, you just need to find somebody who's really going to guide you, like Aaron. Why? Because I never had the guidance that time. The people that was guiding me before was, you know, was negative. They were like, oh, you can't do this, Michael. Oh, we're all here in the nursing home. We're just going to be nursing, nursing home PTs for the rest of our, our lives. I'm like, there's something probably more mm-hmm. out of this, you know, or maybe you're in a physical therapy clinic and I have a a coach. Uh, I have a student right now that I'm coaching. And he said, Michael, I don't want to see patients in the mill. I want to be doing like what you're doing right now, seeing two patients. I saw two patients right now from one to two and two to three. Yeah. And there's another eval from three to four. That's why I was a little bit late, but you know, I said, I can't just treat 24-7 in a nursing home or in the clinic seeing four or five patients, but you need to find somebody who's going to coach you and mentor you. And that's what I did. I looked for Aaron. I looked for uh, Greg Todd. And I looked up to them. Hey, I think it's what I want to do. And sometimes we have to do the ask method. ASK, ladies and gentlemen. ASK. You got to, letter A is you got to learn how to ask because ask and you shall receive Seek and you shall find, and knock it will be open to you, ladies and gentlemen. You keep asking. I kept asking Aaron before. He, if he provided me free answers, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I, I, you know he provided me free, free answers. And there are a lot of information out there, and I keep on seeking whatever you're looking for, ladies and gentlemen, whatever you're looking for. You will find it. If you're looking for success, guess what? What are you going to find? You're going to find success. If you're looking for failure, guess what? You're going to look for failure. If you're looking for a cash-based PT practice, you're going to get cash-based PT practice with Aaron LeBauer. And knock. Keep on knocking, ladies and gentlemen. Keep on knocking. You're not going to get patients. The patients not going to go to you. <laughs> I'm sure Aaron is teaching this. They're not going to go to you. You have to go to them and knock in their door. I mean, not physically. You know what I mean. You know, market yourself. So that's what I did, Aaron. I did the ask method that you were teaching. So
1: That's so awesome. You know, I, I wonder if you have an insight on this uh, from going from where you were as a student, now even mentoring other um, therapists. How come as therapists, we have a hard time asking for help or asking questions?
0: Oh, gosh. Like what I always say. That's a great question, right? We, because we think we know it all. <laughs> Basically, right? You know, we're, we're doctors of physical therapy. We're therapists, whether they have master's degree. Oh, I have a master's degree. I don't even have to ask help. Mm-hmm. I have this doctorate degree. I don't need... Well, that's our problem. We know it all. Right. And the only way for us to know it all is to be a student ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot be... I, I like. I like that question. You know, kidding aside, I really like that question because... In order for us to be a good leader, Aaron, you, you taught this. You I I listened to ladies and gentlemen, you know, this I listened to uh, Aaron LeBowers. You know, when he, during his lunchtime, I would watch it. He was eating lunch. I don't know. Do you still do that? Aaron?
1: No, I don't, but I did that was like what I was telling you like four or five years ago when I would do those during lunch. <laughs> I was like,
0: like, okay, Aaron is eating lunch, I gotta watch this. So he was eating lunch and talking to people, like, oh gosh, I gotta watch this. So in order, I remember he specifically told this, I mean, not the same phrase, but he specifically mm. told this, in order for you to be a good leader, you got to be a good follower first. And in, a lot of us here, are therapists, we, we are afraid to ask questions because it would look like we are, we don't know the answer. When in reality, we really don't know the answer, ladies and gentlemen. And that's the reason why I kept on asking people, I am not afraid to look stupid because I already look stupid in a way with my scrub suit and my hair, you know? So, it's okay. It's okay if you don't know the answer, ladies and gentlemen. Ask ask Aaron, you know, and you will find the answer. So, it, yep. I mean, Mike, is there a stupid question? There's no such thing as stupid question, right? <laughs> only a stupid answer, just kidding.
1: <laughs> right, right. You know, I often say, like, the only stupid question the one that was never asked. Mm, but mm. I completely agree with you. It's like, we're too smart in one area. They were like, oh, if I look, if I ask a question, I might not look like I'm smart or capable.
0: You know what? That's so true. That's so true. Well, of course, you know, uh, you got to ask it at the right time at the right place. You know, that's where your critical thinking comes in. But right. uh, asking questions is it, 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 it's, it's a good way for us to learn more. Yeah. So, yep. Mm-hmm. I wrote so, down what you just said. Yeah,
1: yeah, awesome. I wrote down some of the things that you said too. So <laughs> I want to ask, um, Mike, tell us like, so you're doing, um, you're working in a, like, are you working in skilled nursing? Or, you know, what are the kind of different um, like businesses or job roles? Like, how are you, what are you doing now in your multi-dimensional um, kind of career? Like, can you just share like with everyone, like, what are the different roles and different positions and different things that you have right now that are keeping you like not feeling burnt out and mm, feeling like you you're, what? you're able to impact more people?
0: So good. That's so good. Well, I do all what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. I want it to be multi. I have like, I want to have like mul- multiple sources of income. So mm-hmm. the first thing that I personally do is we contract with different home health agencies. So I would go to those home health agencies and tell them, hey, do you need, uh, therapy services, and I would do their eval, and I would send my PTA, and I make money out of me doing the evaluation, and then my mm-hmm. PTA would do the treatment. So that's our first source of income. And then from there, once they're discharged from home health, we do, we pick them up under Part B system, our outpatient system. And we still go to their homes, and then if they're ready, we go, we we take them to our, uh, you know, we're opening up a brick and mortar. So that's what our our second, uh, business to and then mm-hmm. the third one is obviously what you teach is the wellness services mm-hmm. where we provide you know cash wellness services to our patients who have been discharged so i mean so it's it's just the cycle from from home health to outpatient and then to the cash and then if they get sick again we pick them up again to home health and then medic outpatient wellness and then it's just the cycle there so right yeah that's, that's what we do now that's awesome and Where
1: in those um, avenues, like if you're contracting, right? Like, are you contract? Are you being contracted to do some treatment where you're not actually having to do, um, like the you're documenting, but you're not having to deal with like the administrative part of the insurance piece. You just get to actually go treat patients.
0: Are you in that role as well in there? Yeah, we we. Well technically we document too so right. uh, we use their system when it's when we're under that agency and mm-hmm. uh, using the home health agency's documentation system obviously that's really really hard yeah. but it's just part of the game you know i mean it's yeah. it's just part of it and then under our outpatient we have our own documentation system we use hello note yeah and then with the wellness uh wellness visits that's cash you know sometimes we use the hello note sometimes mm-hmm we don't even document it because yeah. it's all wellness. So it's right. cash. So we don't document. So. Yeah. yeah. It just depends. Like, I think like, it
1: just depends on what you're doing. If you're, do- no one's documenting the yoga class down the street. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah.
0: yep. Yep. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Mike, what are some of the, um, you know, I think for someone feeling probably a little burnt out or stuck in a rut, what are some of the other like opportunities out there or, um, alternative ways that they can, you know, um, not only earn, earn a paycheck or earn money or, or help other people, like what are some of the other things that they can do, whether it's on the side or for their, you know, main gig that uh, you've helped people with, or you've seen it, like, you know, maybe I don't even know about, like, what are some yeah. of these, like, and what are the common ones? And what are some of the ways that people are actually um, working as a physical therapist to uh, help people? You know, it's not so, like yeah. the straight up get a job in home health or outpatient orthopedics.
0: Uh, there are a lot of ways. Well, uh, in our group, you know, you, you're there. The, the group is called Alternative Healthcare Career for mm-hmm. Rehab Professional. Uh, a lot of people there, they like to do the utilization reviewer. We have a course there called How to Be a Utilization Reviewer. Uh, there's also a course there, how to start your OT practice, something like that. Uh, how to start your kid's gym. Uh, how to start your uh, home health contracting, like what mm-hmm. I do. How to start your Medicare Part B stuff like that, and of course, how to start your cash practice by eight hour. Yeah. Of the hour. Uh, but you can follow those people, but if it's not your passion, ladies and gentlemen, you're you're gonna burn out again. So you have to go back to where your the three piece, three piece, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, four piece. When I say P, you know, not the peeing part right now. <laughs> so not just one P. You know, it's like a chair. You know, it's like a stool. You take off one P, one P, one leg, it's going to fall, right? So mm-hmm. you have to have those four Ps. First is letter, first letter P is your passion. What are you passionate about? What do you really like? I'm passionate about Alzheimer's and dementia. I'm passionate about, about geriatrics, so I focus on that. If you put me in a pediatric setting, I probably don't want to do it. But you put me in a, P, a geriatric, I'm going to be OK. So that's the first P. Letter P is your passion. Next is if you want to find your alternative career, letter P is your productivity. We hate that word productivity, but the word productivity means hustle. You got to learn how to hustle, ladies and gentlemen. When you start a cash practice like Aaron or, or a home health contracting like me or a part B or whatever, or all the three stuff that I do, you got to learn how to be productive. A lot of people, in, especially in my group, they complain about 90% productive, I got to be 80% productive. Well, in the real world, when you start your own business, you gotta you gotta really hustle. You gotta do the hard part because if you take it hard today, life will be easy tomorrow. If you take it easy today, life will be hard tomorrow. So you might as well take it hard today and hustle, and that way it will be easy tomorrow. So that's the next letter P, is productivity. Mm-hmm. What's the next letter? You know, product on the on that that the three-legged or four-legged stool. So your passion, your productivity, and your purpose, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. What's your purpose behind doing it? Are you just in for the money or are you in for really taking care of these people? So in all, all three of them, right? The purpose or the passion, your productivity, and your passion. And last but not least, you got to have profit. you got to make money, ladies and gentlemen. We're not doing it. We didn't finish all this, this doctorate degree, master's degree just for nothing, right? You got to have profit. You got to earn money. So all four of them, if you take off one, take off the profit, take off the profit, it's going to fall, right? How can you feed your family? You take off your passion, you're going to burn out. Take off productivity, guess what? You're not going to make money, right? So all four of them, in order for you to be able to find whatever your alternative career, ladies and gentlemen, you need to find that, you know, Aaron is really good at that, finding your purpose, your passion, your productivity, and your profit. That's what he teaches. So you got you to gotta do that, like, you know, follow what Eric, you know, just listen to his show. You'll learn so much, ladies and
1: gentlemen. Thank you so much, Mike. What's the one thing of those is the passion, purpose, uh, productivity, and profit. The one that I know a lot of people probably struggle with is, whether well, there's to me, it's either like productivity. It's like getting things done. Right. And profit. It's like almost like they're scared of getting, they're scared of the profit and uh, don't want to, don't want it to take action because it's not perfect you know so is there some uh do you see that too do you see that like people are scared of asking or making money and they're hesitant to do anything because it's not right
0: do you mm. see those you know, i i definitely agree with you that 80% yeah <laughs> because 80% is enough ladies and gentlemen it doesn't have to be perfect i like i i I was thinking of wearing uh, Aaron's shirt, you know, your 80% is good enough, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't have to be perfect. You know, we're, we know, unfortunately, in school, they teach us to be all A's, 100%. You know, when you fail, you're a failure, something like that. But in reality, in the real life, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to fail. I fail all the time. I get rejected all the time. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. When you're starting out your business, your cash-based practice, you will get a lot of rejections. You got to learn. You got to get used to the vitamin N, means vitamin no. You <laughs> will get a lot idea. of no's. Not yeah. this no, you know, but the N-O, the word N-O, you're going to have a lot of no's. And Aaron knows this. He probably has lots of rejections. People probably doubted him. But did that stop him from reaching his goal of being the cash-based guy? no right the more you get rejection ladies and gentlemen the more you achieve you can get closer to your yeses so i uh, like what aaron said you know it doesn't have to be perfect in perfect action beats perfect in action you just started ladies and gentlemen yep. we're just afraid of rejection i you know the beauty of me being an immigrant aaron yeah i'm used to being rejected <laughs> right. so I'm so what, used to like, like where does that show up in your life? Like, where's
1: the failures been coming? Like, and how did you overcome them?
0: Mm. I was just sharing this to one of my uh, uh, students earlier that I'm coaching. I said, "Do you know?" Uh, because his girlfriend is also an uh, like a, from Netherlands immigrant mm-hmm. too. And we, she, we, what he asked me, "Hey, did you vote?" I said, "No, man, I don't vote. I'm not a citizen. I'm I'm uh, just a green card holder. I don't have the privileges." of uh, being a citizen. And then uh, I said, uh, he said, I bet it's a lot, Michael. I bet you spent around $10,000. I said, no, I spent more than probably 50. And during that time of our stay here, you know, I hope no immigration is listening right now no ICE, right? (laughs) (laughs) When I first applied, they rejected it. I came Mm. here, uh, I was ready. I'm here legally having a work visa and they rejected my application because During that time, I didn't have a doctorate degree, which is acceptable. You know, I said, okay, I don't have a doctorate degree, you know, blah, blah, blah. I only have a, you know, master's equivalent, blah, 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 blah. So, okay, I accept the rejection. But did that stop me, ladies and gentlemen, to keep pushing forward? No. What I did is you just have to find a way. So I went back to school. Well, guess what? When I applied for DPT school, they said, well, I said, can I get a loan? They said, no. Why? I said, why? Well, you're not a citizen. He said, duh. So I had to pay out of pocket, ladies and gentlemen. I got to pay out of pocket. And did that stop me? No. I just had to keep pushing forward. So after, you know, years of studying, I got my doctorate degree, right? And I reapplied again for my immigration stuff. And they said, Michael, we can't give you one. What? You're rejecting me again? I'm not... I don't look like do I look like a terrorist to you, friend? <laughs> Aaron, no <laughs> terrorist, right? I mean, I do have this goatee here, but you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't even I don't even know how to say the word bomb. <laughs> so, and they rejected me again, brother. You know what they told me because I didn't have five years of experience that time, <laughs> and I was so down that time. I think that was the time I was calling you, Aaron. Yeah, <laughs> I said I don't know what to do. I didn't, they they they. They don't wanna give me the, the the green card. This was a green card application. So I said, what should I do? Well, they said, wait for another five more years, Mike, uh, till fi- til you have five years of experience. So during that time, I already have the five years of experience and I got promoted from being a regular staff therapist. I applied for a job to be a director of rehab for an acute hospital. So in paper, it looks good, right? Right? Oh, gosh, I'm going to be okay. I think uh, immigrants are going to give me this. I got the director of rehab position. I was over the acute department, the outpatient department, and I think I'm going to get it. Well, I reapplied again. I got the doctorate degree, the five years of experience and being a director of rehab. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I got rejected again. I got rejected again. and oh. And I thought we were going home. Because my visa, my work visa is only good for six years because you renew that, ladies and gentlemen, you know, depending on what the console stamp. But you, there's only a limit to six years. And from that six year, you have to go home and restamp it again there. And, uh, and I said, what am I going to do? I'm rejected. You know, I, I feel like I reject, you know. And, and I told my wife, should we keep going? And she said, yeah, we just have to keep pushing forward. Lo and behold, after, you know, after applying, they said, what I said, what do I need to do? They said, you got to just find a job for a regular therapy job. So I finally quit that director job. I work as a regular (laughs) PT. And finally, we got it. We got it last year, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. A job
1: as a director wasn't a regular therapy
0: job. No, because it didn't match the doctorate degree. Right. <sighs> because the director's qualification was the bachelor's degree, something like that. So it didn't match the 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 degree that I'm applying, the DPT right. degree there, didn't match the employment the employment based green card. Right. It needs to match. Everything needs to match. So we finally got it last year, and this is how good God is, Aaron. We got it last year, and right after we got it, I got fired <laughs> from that contract job. Good thing, if not, you know. So it's rejection. What's the lesson here, ladies and gentlemen? If you are still watching, whether it's live or in the recording, you will encounter rejection after rejection after rejection. Whether it's small or a big rejection, ladies and gentlemen, just keep on moving forward. Don't let it bother you. You get. You got to get used to it, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, even now, I still get rejections just have to get used to it, especially now. Right. But just, just keep going, ladies and gentlemen, just keep going.
1: Mike, I want to ask you one kind of, one technical question about that is, you know, one of the most common questions I get on Instagram is like, well, how do I, uh, you know, I'm a physio in another country. Can you help me, you know, like, you know, like move to the U S and get a job. And I'm like, oh, no, because that's not my specialty. I have no idea about it. Um, I guess, The two parts would be number one, like if someone's listening and they're from somewhere else or whether they're from the Philippines or, you know, anywhere else, is there a a good resource to help them? And then two, are there a few easy steps that they would need to take that you can help with, um, you know, to, to help people like figure out how do they get here and get a job as a physical therapist, you know, if you are trained in another country?
0: Yeah, if, if you're outside of the country right now, whether in the Philippines or in Australia or Middle East or whatever, there is you got to go to the website called FCCPT, the Federation of, oh, I forgot already, FCCPT and FSBPT. The first thing that you need to do is you got to make sure that your education is equivalent to the U.S. standard. My education that time was only a, U, a master's degree equivalent. So I had to match the doctorate equivalent. Uh, so I had to go back to school here. So every country is different. So if you are, for example, in India, uh, most of the the schools there are bachelors, I believe. In in the Philippines, is still bachelors. So you have to make sure that your school has to be has to have that equivalent value or units that will match here. So you have technically, you really have to go back to your DPT, you know, uh, you know, because that's the standard now here in the States. So if you got a doctorate degree there in 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 whatever country, uh go ahead and do that. But if if it will what you call it, if they will honor it here. So what I did is I did it here in that way, at least it's a US degree. It needs to be a US degree uh, equivalent. So yeah. Great. So that's great. So there's some websites and and you're gonna have that US degree equivalent. And then
1: what do you do? Do you you get like a work visa, you got to get a job first. How does that, what do, you, what do you, what was that one or two steps that you had to take? to decide so you get first, that equivalent?
0: Yeah. Well, first you have to sit for the NPTE, but okay. before you can sit for the NPT, the national physical therapy exam, you have to prove to the board that your education is equivalent. So that's the first step. You got to go to FSBPT and FCCPT and you submit your diploma, you submit your transcript to them and they will tell you, okay, your school is good, you're okay, now you can take the NPTE. Now before you can take the NPTE, you have to also take the English exams. Uh, it's called the test on English as foreign language, test on speaking and test on written. I don't know, uh, during my time, it was three or four English exams, wherein yeah, you know, first you gotta talk like this, second is you gotta write, Second is you know you're you're translating whatever they talk something like that yeah so yeah. it's hard
1: mm-hmm. that's that's cool so thank you so much because I appreciate because I get all these questions and I'm like uh, I don't know <laughs> like reach out to someone else who's like done that but uh which is you know how we all learn we like can create a course way. of that right I know <laughs> we probably should is yeah. like how to get a job as a physical therapist in the U.S. if you're an immigrant mm-hmm. right? I mean yeah so um, I want to. I do want to touch on one more thing um when when did you move like growing up in the Philippines you mo- when did you move here and I guess my my I wanted to like kind of when did you move here but what is it that you feel like because there's a lot of um I know I know I know a lot of Filipino uh physical therapists like I don't know if it's just by chance or what but your, your, um, culture is slightly different, but it's very, it's very compatible with the U S in certain ways. Like what are the things that you bring from your experiences growing up? Uh, the, you know, like the culture of just being Filipino, like that helps you with your patients with, um, probably that's probably where, um, working with people with all, uh, dementia and Alzheimer's disease, like, like, comes in uh almost, I don't want to say naturally but like as a as a very compatible like um like a, a career choice because I know like um it's with the compassion and the caring and some of the ways that um the people I'm friends with are like I'm like yes that matches but can you do you have an awareness of that and is there something that you can share that maybe people who like me just grew up in North Carolina can learn from you. You know, like how can we like how can we learn some of those other like uh, intangibles, you know? Mm-hmm. you know, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? It's like the, what we don't learn in PT
0: school. Like, can you share just to share some of that? You know, that's funny that uh, you, you mentioned that uh, a lot of us, you know, Filipinos, there was a time uh, in, you know, in the old times that everybody wanted to be a nurse because, you know, we were like, you know, the factory of nurses back home because the U.S., We'll go to the Philippines and train nurses there. So some of the schools there are like you know trained by from the U.S. And then same thing with my generation, it was like physical therapist. But going back to your question, uh, it's basically about uh, we didn't have any nursing homes back home in the Philippines up until now. It's very very rare that you put your parents in a in a in a nursing home facility. Well, we don't really have any nursing home facilities there. So we really took care of our loved ones, you know, our parents, our, you know, aunts and uncles, and we took care of them at home. And that's probably where our passion in taking care of people is. We are naturally caregivers. Mm -hmm. And even in Middle East, most of the, you know, quote unquote maids and outpair in Middle East are from the Philippines. And we are considered like uh, uh, the outpair or maids. And if you, even my friends here who are Middle Eastern, like really rich people here in, in Martin, like, like they can buy, you know, give you $10,000 cash, right? You know, Middle Eastern people. Like, you know, my friend, uh, uh, my maid in, the, in, in Saudi Arabia is, uh, is a Filipino. I love you, Michael. Something like that. Yeah. Because we are naturally caregivers. And people from the Philippines, they would go to Hong Kong and work as maids. Because we just really like serving. Mm-hmm. You know, we just really like taking care of people. And there's nothing wrong doing that. There's a, a, you know, just a group of people who really does that. So right. when I came here, it's like natural for me. I'm like, oh, gosh, I got to take care of this lady. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we treat them like family. You know, we treat them like family. That's why I teach too with my PTA, our team of PTAs. And I would say, hey, because they would call me, hey, Michael, what should I do with uh, Mrs. Smith? She fell. You know, She broke her. You know, and I said, well, what would you do if this was your mom? And she'll be like, oh, okay. All right, I'll take care of her. You know, yeah. think of it as your family member. Think of it as your mom or dad. Of course, if you hated your mom, it's a different story, right? So Right,
1: <laughs> so. right. no, I think that's um, really helpful and insightful because I think, you know, I, I, I think we, sometimes we lose sight of some of those things, especially going through school. It's so much pressure. It's analytical. We have to do all these things. And I, I think of, you know, it, what's what's really I would say weird, right? It's not weird, but I have some friends who, when I was living in San Francisco, I was like, oh these guys, you know, they're 28, they still live with their parents." I'm like, "But wait a minute, that's how people in most of the world—they they live in their family units for a long time." And my friends uh, who race bikes with me, like we were eating ramen noodles and rice and beans, and you know, spending all our money on traveling, racing bikes. So they grew up in San Francisco, and Maurice and Colin and Aaron. Uh, not me, Aaron, but another Aaron, they lived with their parents and it was just easy and natural, but, and I've lived out of the country and I know that like, that's how the family units in a lot of parts of the world are is like where you're living together, um, for a majority of your, the life cycle. And that has to change how you, um, I don't know, like how you see, uh, what the, the patient care and, and, and how that works. Right. I don't even have the words. But yeah. do you, you understand what i'm saying like i think that's that's a very big insight and I, I think that's really powerful to have is there um have you experienced like the opposite here or a disconnect with you know
0: how some people react or 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 what they need to learn you know? funny you mentioned that uh before we could get out of the country from the philippines as a a worker like a, we, we yeah. call ourselves overseas foreign worker OFW. Mm-hmm we still pay taxes there and we pay taxes here, right? right? So we're called Overseas Foreign Workers, OFW. Before you can get out of the country as a worker for another country, they give you an orientation for that specific country that you're going to go to. So for example, you're going to the Middle East. It's like, a, a, like a I don't know, uh, like a, a week seminar about that culture, like an immersion culture for that country that you're going to. So, for example, you are going to, uh, even in the Asia alone, you know, for example, you go to Australia, they're going to teach you the cultures there. So before I came in here uh, as an OFW, they trained me, okay, this is the American culture. There was no Facebook. There was YouTube that time, but it wasn't really, you know, uh, but they they taught us, okay, this is the American culture. Uh, You cannot do this. You cannot do that. You know, you cannot say this. You cannot blah, 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 blah. And, 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 you, and they will tell you, you have to accept the fact that the American culture is like this. They, you know, quote unquote, they put their parents in the nursing home. Right. That's normal, something like that. Because in our culture, it's like a no-no. It's like, oh gosh, you're leaving my mother in the nursing home, or something right. like that. It's like a no-no, right? Here's like, oh, she's gonna be okay there. something <laughs> like that. So it's just the cultural thing I yeah. I, I believe so.
1: Yeah, no, that's important. And what, when you're working, like I haven't been in nursing home in a long time. And even in PT school, I, my uh, rotation, my clinical rotation that included uh, skilled nursing um, was I went and worked in um, a gateway education center here, which was with kids. So I didn't actually do that. So I've never actually seen like what a physical therapist does there, but I can't imagine, um, you know, it's always that easy. I mean, look, I worked on the oncology floor at Duke Hospital and that was like, I was like, I am not made for this. Um, what is it uh, like for, what is it that drives your passion and that you found working with people with Alzheimer's and dementia, what is it that you found is most rewarding about that, that part of your work?
0: I love that question, Aaron. I love that question. You know why? Because you can make mistakes you make mistakes when you're taking care of a geriatric patient. I'm not saying you can break their bone, yeah. but when you say something wrong, you just say, sorry, they'll forgive you. yeah. Or for example, let's just say you have a dementia patient and we're, you know, we're talking and everything. You accidentally said something wrong. You know, for example, you cussed out and she'll forget it because she has dementia, right? <laughs> I have this patient right now in the, in the independent living facility where we're just joking around and blah, 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 blah. And I said, and I diagnosed her, you know, I told her, uh, she's early onset. And I told her, Hey, guess what? I think you have like, uh, uh, like a tennis elbow, something like that. Yeah. And she said, I got, and then, and I, uh, I told her, well, don't worry about the specific of your problem right now. Just work out with us. Just exercise with us because she'll forget it again tomorrow. She'll be like, ah, yeah, that's true. Michael, I forgot it already. <laughs> <laughs> so easy to work with them. <laughs> yeah. With regular people. I mean, I'm not saying regular people, but, you know, sports people. You really got to be specific, right? Right. I have this patient right now. She's a, uh, he's a uh, retired uh, uh, health care practitioner. He's actually a therapist, you know, before. And I really got to be specific. He's paying me, you know, cash and everything. And I really got to be specific with him. And he was asking me, how many more reps should I do, Michael? huh? What is my target heart rate? So I even had to put up my calculator and show the carbonance formula. Okay. This is your target heart rate, sir. 220 minus your age times 85% because you have heart issues. I had to do that with him because he's like a high level person, right? Right. Right. Dementia patients. Let's go ahead and just stand up and walk, Mrs. Smith. That's it. Yeah. They're fun.
1: They're more, it's like, it's more fun and it's well more, I wouldn't say fun. Uh, more laid back and easy going, and it's mm-hmm. got, like getting them moving, and it's like more of a party. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's more like yeah, it's more and and, and it's more like a reminiscing therapy.
1: Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. had this
0: one patient; she doesn't talk, no nothing, but she used to be a tennis player. Yeah, very sedentary. She just like this. You know, I asked this the husband. Hey, what this? What did she do before? Oh, she played tennis before. Well, and I said, well, you, can we try? Let's go to a, let's go to a tennis court. Yeah. Oh, she's, she's done it. She, that was, she probably forgot it. I said, let's just try it, sir. We took her to the tennis court. Her I lit up. Did she do perfect movement? No. Did she do her perfect forehand or backhand? No. But just the fact that she saw the green, she saw the, the tennis racket, she saw the ball, she started moving. Boom. Oh, that's awesome. We had another patient. She used to be an Olympic swimmer. We were so scared that she's going to drown. I thought we were just going to do, you know, simple whatever. She swam literally, 94 years old. She literally went down and then swam and then up and down, you know, the whatever you call that freestyle.
1: Yeah. Or,
0: or, or whatever. Butterfly,
1: you call it. Or, butterfly or which one? Butterfly is the hard one. And breaststroke. And then there's the breaststroke.
0: Her- <laughs> her breaststrokes. Yeah. Family was crying. Like, we never thought, Michael, that she would do this again. 94 years old. But guess what? She, we took her back home. Her other son came in in the afternoon. We, they knew that we went to the pool because we had a video and said to the son. And the son said, hey, mom, I, I heard you did a good job this morning swimming. And the, the, patients, the, the patient said, what? I never swam. Forgot it around. Yeah. But during that time she remembered it, you know, it was Mm -hmm. in the long-term memory. So those little moments there, that really, you know, uh, that really uh, makes, you know, gives me smile. Yeah. Bring out the best in them. That's powerful. You know, Mike, I think one thing that
1: might be really helpful, especially for me or, you know, a lot of the other people who aren't working with Alzheimer's and dementia patients, um, but probably are working with people with like early onset, onset Alzheimer's dementia, what are some of the signs or symptoms that uh, you can like even just help remind us about uh, so that we might know, oh, this might be happening with some of our you know, um, patients who are like, you know, in their, like, I don't know, or uh, in whether they're 60s or 70s, 50s, 60s or 70s, where we might be like, oh, that's why this person's being you know, combative or that's why this person's like, you know, just kind of sometimes getting angry. Like, what are some of those things? Like, that's all. that's all I can really remember but I know you've got the some of the more concrete examples so that we can turn those uh, instances or conversations into something productive for both them and, and the therapy.
0: Mm, that's a great question, Aaron. So we're diving deep into my specialty, right? Yep. <laughs> okay, so the first thing that you want to know is, uh, is it real dementia? You're, you know, There's this real dementia, the true dementia, or the pseudo-dementia? So irregardless if it's a real dementia or a pseudo-dementia, real dementias are what you call Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's type, the stroke type, you know, those stuff, uh, those are real dementias. The other one is the pseudo-dementia, which is, you know, because caused by UTI, pneumonia, dehydration, acute uh, injury or acute infection. Mm-hmm. Those are the pseudo or not real dementias. So irregardless whether it's a real or a pseudo-dementia, there's what you call the seven stages of cognition decline. The first two stages is what you call the denial stage. They will deny that they can still do this and they can still do that and attempt to do what they used to do before when in fact they can't do it anymore. Uh, but here's the thing, they may be able to do it, but the question is, are they safe to do it? Just like driving, cooking, or, you know, trying to change their clothes in standing position and you know they're not safe. So that's the first two stages, denial stage. Unfortunately... Most people, the only denial that they know is actually the, riv- the river in Egypt. So mm-hmm. denial, okay? That's a joke. So the <laughs> but <rest> um, of- <laughs> Denial stage. The second and third, ladies and gentlemen, is the anger or humor stage. Why anger? If your patient or your loved one is getting angry, why anger? Because they cannot do what they used to do before. Why anger? Because they cannot express themselves anymore. So me being a foreigner, when I get sick, I don't want to talk to my kids. They speak English. I just want to talk to my wife who speaks my native language. What more for our loved ones who have Alzheimer's, dementia, or what you call the pseudo-dementia? They have a hard time processing that information. It takes them 90 seconds. Imagine I'm talking English right now. I'm translating everything here in my brain, and then boom, that's how quick the brain works. If you have Alzheimer's or dementia, you have that slow processing there and it's not going to process well, guess what? I'm just going to get angry.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. That's the second and third stage. Next is what you call the bargaining stage, where they're going to bargain with you, bargain with priest or God or any higher being. When they go to the doctor, they look so good and nice. When they go home, they're so mean (laughs) and uh, urinating and everything, right? Uh, Fourth and fifth is what you call the depression stage. They're going to be depressed. They don't want to do anything. They just want to stay in the bed. And last but not the least is what you call the acceptance stage or the end stage, where they're going to accept the situation and move on forward. So uh, I can keep going on, Aaron. Mm-hmm. That's it. So yeah. I, I teach this eight hours so I can keep right. on talking. But yeah.
1: <laughs> it sounds like very similar to the stages of grief as well.
0: Stages of grief. Yeah, that's it. The, the, the stages of grief, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Yeah. And that's what they go to. That's what they go to. Uh, the Kubler-Ross. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what, e- not just the patient, but also the family member. Right. So it's very important that we also take care of you as a caregiver. If you're a caregiver right now, watching this, you got to learn how to take care of yourself too. Mm-hmm.
1: That's important. What are some of the like easy signs? I mean, I don't know if they're easy ones, but I- I'm sure there are. There's one or two signs where it's like, Hey, I can tell if this is really dementia or if this is like pseudo dementia, like whether it's a vitamin deficiency, a medication problem or UTI or something. Do you know, like, through a physical therapy standpoint, like, how could we help identify that, you know, in our patients? First thing is, obviously, the forgetfulness. Yeah.
0: You know, you as, we as a therapist, we, we, we will, we, you will notice because we spend a full hour with the patient, right? We touch mm-hmm. them, we, you know, palpate them, you know, if you're not a, if you're not touching your patient, you're not a physical therapist. You gotta touch them, ladies and gentlemen, at least tap them in the back. If you, if you're there spending a full hour, whether it's an insurance-based system or cash-based You will notice that they're being forgetful. You know, that's the first uh, 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 thing there that you're going to notice. They're forgetting things, Uh, repeating the same stuff again and again, asking the same questions again and again. And yeah, that's the first thing there. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, and I guess if like the last few visits they weren't doing that, and all of a sudden it's more sudden and more severe, I'm going to think maybe this isn't like a this is more of like a a pseudo dementia type Mm -hmm. of issue, probably. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. What about some strategies for people that are kind of in that early stage where I might be seeing them, whether it's outpatient in the hospital, home health, whatever, like to get people to be compliant with their therapy and their exercises and things like that before we get to like, um, you know, into skilled nursing center. I mean, we can share some of those strategies, but I want to like, for, for me, and I know a lot of people listening, like we're not, if we're not specializing in the care, then we're still going to see it. You know, like what are some strategies that I know that I can work with to, you know, help someone get through, like whether it's a knee replacement or back surgery or just they don't want surgery. They want to get their back fixed and they want PT first. Like how do we get some of those people moving forward with their exercises and kind of, um, you know, when we've got stuck because they do have some dementia
0: and we're just realizing it. It still goes back to you as a therapist. You know, what is really your goal for this patient? Is your goal for this patient really to take care of him, get back to functioning? Or is this goal just to redirect him to do what your goal is? So, for example, uh, they don't want to do any exercise. What is it that, you, that they really want? What is their goal? You know, mm-hmm. it all goes down to their goal. Uh, and work around with that, you know, meeting at the middle. So a lot of my patients, they refuse. They, uh, they're on that end stages especially when I go to I still go to the psych hospital and I'm the only PT there uh, and uh, I just talk to them what is really your goal your goal is to just stand up let's just go ahead and do standing up mm-hmm. you know so meeting in the middle what is their goal and how can you help them reach that goal that's it yeah and it doesn't have to be really specific you know we're going to achieve the range of motion of this you know right. is, it, is it really important to them or is it really significant to them? So what, there's a difference there, you know, is it important to you or important to the person? So it needs to be important to them first. Yeah, no, oh, that's, that's incredibly important. I think that's,
1: that's the thing is that we sometimes lose track of like what do patients really want or need? And I think if we have the opportunity to speak with them, we can really um, tease that out um, and, and sticking to that, no matter what the, like the intervention has to look like. Wouldn't you agree? It's like, it's what they, what they want. Like we need, let's figure it out. (laughs) What they want. (laughs) Right. Um, Mike, what's a certified dementia practitioner? Like what is like, I, I, I've seen it on your website. Like, what does that, what does that
0: mean? And, and you know, like how, you know, how'd you become one? It's actually one of the many certifications that you can get. It's the next letter behind your name, but it is actually given by, uh, the National Council of Certified Dementia Practitioners and uh, I'm one of their many instructors that mm-hmm. teaches the class. So uh, it's just, uh, just one of the gold standards in taking care of Alzheimer's and dementia patients. So anybody can attend. Uh, obviously, um, healthcare practitioner, they encourage healthcare practitioners to provide this certification. So mm-hmm. you know how to take care of Alzheimer's and dementia patients because it's growing, you know, it's, More and more people are going older, you know. More and more people are getting this disease, and uh, and we somebody has to take a lead. And if we're not going to take a lead on it, who will? And we are the perfect profession to take care of it and lead it because we're seeing the patient. Obviously, nurses. We train them how to do this, so uh, we provide that training for different nursing homes. We provide that training to different uh, assisted living and also. We also go, I also go to different associations and speak about this topic. And then we quote unquote certify it. Mm -hmm.
1: That's awesome. Mike, if someone wants to learn more about uh, you, um, connect with you in your uh, Facebook group for the alternative, uh, I'm gonna get it right. Alternative healthcare careers, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or learn more about the dementia program. What's the best place for them to go? Is it like one of your websites or your find your group?
0: yeah um if you want to learn how to be a certified dementia practitioner go check out our website it's drmikechua.com slash addc or you can reach out to me but you can check out our website drmikechua.com or if you want to find your alternative career uh if you want to be a utilization reviewer you know if you want to start your own sensory gym or you know whatever alternative career uh whatever, <laughs> whatever we, we have that in the course, go check out our website. It's called alternative com, And uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's
1: awesome. And what's your Facebook group? If someone's ever, like loves Facebook and they're like, I can't get yeah. off Facebook. Like what's the best uh, place?
0: To so know? if you are a therapist uh, or looking for an alternative career, we have that group called alternative healthcare careers for rehab professional. It's growing. I think we have like 24, 25,000 members there now. And then if you are a caregiver who are, who is taking care of an Alzheimer's or dementia patient, uh, we have that group called Alzheimer's and Dementia Support Group. I think we have like 32, 33,000 there. Wow. And we go live there and teach people about Alzheimer's and dementia. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's incredible,
1: man. Your groups are like blowing mine out the water. Yeah. 24,000 and 30,000. How do you manage that many people in there? Well, technically, we don't manage. We delegate. (laughs) That's awesome. I I want you guys, Mike doesn't manage. He delegates.
0: There you go. Did you hear that, gentlemen? I learned that from Aaron LeBauer. You got to learn how to delegate, ladies and gentlemen. Delegate, delegate, delegate. That's awesome. Mike,
1: is there uh, before we finish up, is there anything else you think is important or that our audience uh, should know or even hear a second or third time?
0: All right. Well, thank Again, I would like to appreciate you, Aaron. Thank you very much for your time and for everything that you do. But uh, before Aaron kicks me out in this awesome podcast, always remember the word FAST, F-A-S-T, letter F. Find friends that will push you to your next level because you are the average of the five people you hang out with, ladies and gentlemen. Always hang out with Aaron because like what I say, you are the average right now where I'm, I feel like I'm awesome now. I feel like I want to start my own... <laughs> Cash-based practice. Well, we have it, but, you know, I want to be like Aaron LeBow, right? Find friends that will push to yourself to your next level. Letter A on the word fast, take action. All this stuff that we're doing, it's not going to do me good. It's not going to do Aaron good if you don't take action. Take action by reaching out to Aaron, you know, uh, sign up on his email, sign up on his course, sign up on whatever, because everything that you get here, it's all actionable stuff. It's all actionable. Whether you get the courses, whether you get the CEU, whatever, or, or whatever he's teaching, it's all actionable. Whether it's free or not, it's all actionable. So take action, guys. And what's the next letter in the word fascist? Letter S. Yes. Share and subscribe on Aaron Labauer's uh, uh, podcast or wherever we're watching this, right? Share and subscribe. The more shares, the better, because sharing is caring. And last but not the least, ladies and gentlemen, is T is teaching. Why? Because when you hear it, you forget, when you see it, you remember. But when you're teaching it, you're actually understanding it more. And that's what Aaron is doing with us. He's teaching us how to be better therapists, how to be better business owners, how to be actually a cash-based practice owner. So Aaron, thank you very much for your guidance for our group. Thank you very much for, you know, mentoring me when, you know, several years ago I wouldn't be here without you. So thank you very much, sir. You're very welcome, Mike.
1: I appreciate that. And I love it. It was like the, uh, Friends, action, share, and teach. And uh, if you guys uh, learned anything on the show today, we'd appreciate it if you would share it and teach it. And one of the ways you can do that is, you know, go uh, shout us out on Instagram or Facebook, or just tell your friend about the podcast, or leave us a five-star rating and review and share your insights. And we'll uh, see you on the next show. Thanks so much, Mike. Uh, this is the Cash PT. This is the Cash PT Lunch Hour with Aaron LeBauer and Mike Chua. Um, get out there take action and don't let 2020 keep you down because it's the best year for you and we'll see you on the next show hey what's up it's aaron real quick if you're just starting a cash based physical therapy practice or you already have one and you want to learn how to grow it and scale it this is for you i just released my brand new book the cash pt blueprint because i want to get this book in the hands of every physical therapist out there i want to give it away to you for free. All I ask is that you pay a little bit of shipping and handling, and you'll not only get the steps to create your own cash practice, but the tools to grow it and scale it beyond what everyone else thinks is possible. To snag your copy right now, go to cashptblueprintbook.com. That's C-A-S-H-P-T-B-L-U-E-P-R-I-N-T-B-O-O-K.com, and when you get your copy, give me a shout out somewhere on social media, and we'll talk to you soon.